Welcome back to another episode of the Investigate podcast, and it's your host, Arjun Paliwal, Head of Research at Investigate Buyers Agency. And today's episode, we go deeper into the world of finance. And the key of doing that is that property, as we all know, isn't just a game of property. Property is the game of finance, property investing, that is, with a few houses thrown around, right? And so with finance, I'm very, very lucky to be speaking to some of the best in the country when it comes to you know, service, when it comes to scaling portfolios, when it comes to just being able to make sure that the right pieces of the puzzle come together. And so in today's topic or in today's episode, I wanted to go deeper into the world of LMI, Lenders Mortgage Insurance for those that don't know. And LMI is an interesting one because, you know, there are moments where it could be the decider between starting sooner or later for your first property. It can be the decision between a smaller or bigger purchase price. And it can be the decision that's between scaling a portfolio in quick succession versus staggering and waiting. There's many pros, there's many cons, and what better person than Dion who I've got on the line to be able to go through that with me. Now, a little bit about Dion. Dion's got over a decade of experience across banking and uh, business banking as well, financial planning qualified, as well as now a mortgage advisor, and that to a very successful one at Affinitas Finance. And Dion, if I botch the name, just tell me when it comes to the company, we'd love to hear more about it. But secondly, uh, Dion is also someone who's actually worked closely with a few mutual clients. So it's not just me getting a couple of randos on the show and just going, hey, let's have a chat. It's more about me going, hey, that was a brilliant experience that that client felt from speed of approval to communication to strategy. I want to speak to this guy. And so when we have moments like that, we have moments like today where we get to hear from experts. And so Dion, mate, welcome. And if you haven't picked it by the accent as you hear Dion, he is a South African. And yes, they are, in my opinion, as a fellow uh, rugby fan, a Kiwi though, I reckon they might take it out this year and be champs again. So Dion, mate, welcome to the show. Arjun, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, fingers crossed. Let's hope uh, that the best team on the day wins and it's good rugby all around. Um, and yeah, appreciate you bringing me on and let's have a chat. Let's see how we can unpack some of the the challenges that um, some of the clients might be facing at the moment. Now, Dion, I know, uh, you know you're know you in Queensland now, right? In Brizzy, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Awesome, my friend. And I know when it comes to the hot topic today, mortgage insurance, why don't we firstly start like really high level and talk about what it is and why it exists? Yeah, so Lenders Mortgage Insurance is really just there to enable clients to get into the property market a bit sooner where they don't have a deposit. And generally, 20% is the norm. There are lenders out there that will usually give you the ability to put a 15% deposit or 10% depending on your industry, your qualifications. But realistically, LMI is there to protect the bank in the event of uh, any defaults if the property value changes if you have to sell. So it's really just an ability to get you into the market sooner. Um, and pay a slight premium for that. Now, when people are constantly thinking about whether they should or shouldn't, obviously there's many people in the for and many people on the against. Why might people be against it and why might people be for it? It's an interesting one because it depends on where you're at, right? And I think the conversation for me, and I can speak firsthand on this basis, uh, being an immigrant um, landing in this country around six and a half years ago, um, you know, trying to get into the property market was uh, one of the major challenges and the conversations that I have with a lot of clients, especially first home buyers. Um, and I think it's that for me, it's the conversation of, um, you know, the cost of rental versus the return in the long run, right? And I believe that if you're spending money on rent, um, in most instances, your LMI premium is probably going to be 
less than that or that about depending on the purchase price so it's it's an ability to get you into the market sooner as long as your cash flow can sustain the repayments because over time your rent money is dead money right it's not going anywhere it's not giving you any benefit it's only helping your investor which is good for investors but if you're trying to get into the market it's a way to get into it sooner and i think there's just a bit of a stigma out there that lmi is, is a cost um, but in my opinion it's really just you know if the lmi is 10 15 20 thousand dollars it's really just an extra price you're paying for the property in the long run mm, and that's a, it's a good point you mentioned then so when someone thinks of lmi there's many industries as well who don't have to pay it and this is something that people don't realize and it's a constant education process i assume in your world right when it comes to a couple of key industries i know there's many under the hood with different banks and things what would be a couple of key industries as to you know where they can get mortgage insurance waivers yeah so for example definitely in the medical space um so at the moment we're assisting you know quite a few doctors um you know professionals that essentially would um, get those waived by particular lenders um, there's some lenders that have recently opened it up to um, nurses um, as well. So the healthcare sector is really a strong one, but then accountants and engineers and some of the professionals out there as well can also qualify for those. Um, but that aside, there are actually lenders out there that will assist you if you're not in any of those industries at all, right? Um, so they will allow you to go up to say 90% without any LMI or 85% without any, any LMI. But what they do is they essentially will charge a premium on the interest rate and that's their risk mitigant to the end of it. So Dion, when it comes to LMI, we've talked about those percentage ranges right now. Have you noticed a sweet spot in percentage where the fees are kind of like not too much, not too less. And it's like that sweet spot of, hey, this is probably where it does, doesn't get too ridiculous. Yeah, I'd say 90% is really um, the sweet spot in my opinion. Anything above 90%, the premium does jump up a fairly decent amount. Um, and again, it's not really about the premium in the long run for me. It's more about the cash flow. Can you afford the repayments? Um, you know, if you're paying for a property, all that you've got to understand is that you're adding that premium onto the price of the property. Um, and that, in, the, in my opinion, is where it comes down to the return on the investment, right? It's making sure that, you know, you're not paying that rent for the longer period meaning you're in the property market sooner, you've got an asset that's appreciating, it's growing over time, and you're paying that balance down. And that's if you're paying the principal and interest off. So yeah, 90% is generally that sweet spot. Anything between 80 and 85, it's not too bad, but 90, 95, and then above, it really gets quite expensive. Yeah, got it. And with that LMI, I think another thing that many people sometimes forget is like this inclusive of LMI, then plus LMI. And I notice people like, coming to settlement time and they go, oh, I was chatting to my broker and it was actually inclusive of LMI. I got to scrape up a little bit of that extra cash on the side. I think, so. uh, I think that's another key thing for listeners to, to think about. Now, in LMI discussions with uh, clients, Dion, there's obviously one piece that we've mentioned, which is the cost. But there's also some other considerations that sometimes people need to weigh up, which comes back to your cash flow point. If I'm not mistaken, there's also... Uh, interest rates and servicing variations. Could you give us a little bit of insights on that if applicable? Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, a lot of the lenders will charge a higher interest rate, a premium once you go into LMI territory, which, you know, again, ranges to half a percent to 1% to 1.5% above their advertised rates at say 80%, which again, when you're looking at it from a cash flow point of view, does your budget allow for the repayments? Um, and then from a servicing point of view, 
the lenders are still going to charge their buffer on top of that, which in most instances is still 3% with majority of the lenders out there. Um, and there are some lenders out there that are looking at their servicing rates and dropping them to 2 and 1% as well, which ultimately does give you a bit more affordability under hood from a servicing perspective. But at the end of the day, it comes out to the numbers going out, right? The money that you actually have to contribute each month. You know, that's a really good point. And you've mentioned that a few times in today's chat. You've talked about how the money in, the money out, and if a person can handle that. I think that's such an important point that people need to have sink in when tuning into this episode. Because if you notice that, what Dion's really saying is that if you have the money to have a buffer, if you have the availability and ability to pay the repayments of the loan, whether it's negative a little bit or highly negative, and your money's working for you in a long-term compounding asset, using tools like LMI does get you ahead to bring forth that purchasing decision. And everyone I speak to in their 50s and 60s has always said, I'd wish I'd done this earlier. No one has ever come to me and gone, I'm so glad I started investing in my 60s. I'm so glad I started uh, scaling up my portfolio in the 50s. No one said it. Everyone's like, Arjun, we need to catch up, please. Let's make this, get this going. Uh, but I wish I'd started earlier. So Dion, you t make a very good point around the cash flow, the ins and outs. And once you manage that, um, I wanted to speak to you about another thing on LMI. And, and this is specifically around, like, when you consider it, how does that buyer that's considering it, you know, start to think of too much is too much? Like, do you just bring it back down to the repayments? Do you bring it back down to, you know, the wait a little bit, get it down to 90 or 89? Because we've noticed some big differences in between an over 90% loan, as you said, in mortgage insurance premium and just below 90. Or is it back to the cash flow component again? We'd love to know your thoughts there. Yeah, so for me, I think it, it really comes down to the cash flow, right? It, that's really what it sits, it sits on, is whether that affordability is evident in terms of your budget. But long term, I think if you're paying premium for a property and then still wanting to put LMI on top of it, that might be a conversation that you need to understand a little bit more about because you've got to understand whether you're going to get those returns in the shorter term. Otherwise, you might have to wait a bit longer for those returns to come through to actually pay itself off. Because essentially, if you bought a property for $500,000 and you pay $20,000 in LMI, you've got to ensure that that property grows by at least 4 to 5%, right? Um, before you can start to see that you're actually warranting putting that LMR premium in place. And I guess it depends on the market, the type of property that you're going into as well. But for me, it's not more, it's like I said, I'm saying it again, it's more so about the cash flow. Can you afford it? Because realistically, you hold the property or the asset long enough, it's going to give you the return. Um, you're going to pay the value down. It's going to save you rather than paying uh, rental, right? Um, and this is purely from an owner-occupied perspective. I think the challenge comes to the foreground when you're speaking to investors where they have an existing property, they've got their own cash flow commitments there, which at the moment are probably a little bit more constrained with the way rates have gone. And we're now looking to use equity because you've had a lot of growth in properties over the last few years. So there's equity sitting there, which could be used to essentially get into the investment market. It's around then understanding whether that's possible um, and whether you should go into Alamai territory to do the investment purchase, because that's where it comes down to the cash flow. Because realistically, your return on investment or your rental yield um, is going to dictate how you go from there. Yeah, and it's a balancing act. But on this whole topic of cash flow, you know what the whole thing that makes it quite precious that the banks do? I'm just thinking here, right? They have Alamai as a way to protect themselves and insure them in case you default. Yet... 
they have a choice of the cost that they charge you and they choose to charge you more than a non-LMI. I'm just thinking, hey, look, there may be some underlying funding costs that we don't know that they want to pass on. But my whole thinking was the funding cost is the cost of LMI that they're passing on. And then they want to charge you more interest. If you're trying to avoid defaults, do you probably want to like not charge us more interest <laughs> if you're trying to get LMI to protect yourself? It's a bit of a counterproductive thing. Catch 22, now, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Now, um, on the note of uh, LMI, I think when you start taking it out on a property, there's this myth that people think, well, I can't take it out again on the same property. And so this makes people sort of pause because they took LMI on their first purchase, say to 90%. Then they're thinking, well, I don't want to revisit my lender to take out equity on the growth until X happens. And X is usually a huge amount of growth to bring it down to 70% so they can go back to 80. Am I correct in saying that lenders don't charge the whole LMI again, and it's more an apportioned. Could you maybe give some insights into that? Yeah, that's right. So lenders will charge you a top-up LMI premium. So effectively, depending on what you paid previously against the value of the property and what you're looking to get out um, for new lending purposes, they'll essentially apportion it based on what you paid as a premium and then top it up to that new LVR level that you're essentially going to be going to. Um, so realistically, when you're with the same lender and if the purpose is warranted, they'll be more than happy to do that. Um, but realistically, if you're refinancing just to refinance, it can be a bit of a problematic conversation to have with the lenders because then is there a benefit to doing that? So realistically, you've got to ensure that there's a purpose for those additional funds or the reasoning around wanting to pay a new premium moving forward. Mate, thank you for clarifying that. And investors out there, that is a really important aspect. Just tuning in, if you rewind that one more time, you'll realize that you can actually take out equity from a property that you bought with 90% and it's grown again. And then that allows you to take it up to 90% again of the new growth that's occurred. And you'll pay that apportioned LMI. That's an important way to continue scaling. And it takes me back to some of my earlier days where, yes, I was very fortunate to work in the banks and we had LMI waivers, but there was a period where I bought properties in trusts and there was a period where I bought properties and I wasn't in the bank. And even though I had a surplus amount of cash and surplus amount of equity, I still continued to move to 90% on subsequent purchases because the cash is better with me than it is with the banks. Because to me, the banks are much easier in giving you money at the start when you're buying, but it gets harder and harder to keep taking money and keep you know, being an active property investor. The key is to find moments of activeness, moments of balance and passiveness. And I'd rather pay a little bit of a cost to doing business, knowing how young I am to be able to scale later on, just knowing that allowed me to feel more comfortable with more cash in bank. And remember, for investors tuning in, very few people will actually be afraid of scaling if they have two things, an ability to cover a repayment and a cash in bank to be able to cover buffers and emergency funds. So Dion, thank you so much for sharing everything about LMI. I, I need one last question here, my friend, or maybe two. One last question on the LMI front is, there's a bit of a technical space here. Now technical space, I know you're an accountant, you can't advise on certain things here, or I know you're not the bank themselves and you're, you're, you're broking and supporting people with so many key aspects of their finance. But there's LMI claims that people make to try and get some if I'm not mistaken, portion of the LMI back that they paid in unique circumstances, which I actually don't know too much of. So this is selfish learning for me. I want to learn more about this, right? And the second one is tax deductibility on LMI and investors thinking long-term from a tax side. Could you maybe give some insights into these two 
just so I could understand more on that as well. Yeah, thanks, Arjun. I, I, I really can't steer down the path of the tax side of things because, again, I'm not licensed to provide tax advice. But um, from a refund point of view, there are lenders that will essentially reimburse you your LMI premium if you sell the property within a certain period of time um, or if you dispose of the asset within a certain period of time for any particular reason. Generally, if you're refinancing away or moving to another lender, that's not the case. It's really if you're selling the asset um, within a 12-month period, then they'll re they'll look at um, giving you that LMI premium back. Now, with this LMI thing, it's really important to on the refund side that you speak to brokers, you speak to the bank uh, proactively because I don't think they're running around telling everyone, hey, come get your LMI back from us. Uh, it's definitely something that you have to be more open about and talking about because this is something new that's that's come to me in terms of learning. So I've seen some circumstances, as you said, which was a loan repaid in a 12-month or less, uh, loan repaid between 12 and 24 months, uh, mortgaged being fully paid or sold off, uh, certain equity releases and not having the full top-up, as you mentioned, or the full payment. So there's a few interesting things. And look, banks differ. Some banks only offer 25% back. Some banks offer 40 50% back. So it's something to get deeper into and just uh, speak to the bank about. But trust me, no one's going to be running and calling you clients uh, to say, hey, look, uh, it's Westpac here. We wanted to give you some money back from the LMI you paid us. So be sure to reach out and learn more about it that way. Uh, now, I said two questions. The last and final question was, Dion, you obviously provide the journey mapping for people on LMI, whether they should, they shouldn't, or or at least providing all the options, uh, percentages, the numbers, the ins and outs, borrowing calculators, really giving people the vision of scaling a portfolio or buying a home to live in and seeing the opportunity cost. Mate, this is such a brilliant thing that you do, but many people don't know about this, including LMI waivers and how they can get that off. How can people get in touch with you, whether it's regarding seeing if they're industry can have LMI waived or whether it's a pre-approval with LMI to reduce that opportunity cost, would love for people to be able to reach out and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Audrey. They can reach us at Affinitas Finance and chop us on Google and search us out. Um, and yeah, reach out to me or one of the team, myself, and uh, the team will definitely be able to provide you some guidance on where you're positioned and what we can possibly do for you. Fantastic, my friend. That's Dion. Mortgage broker at Affinitas Finance. And uh, if I've got that right, Dion, uh, is there a link as well that they can jump into to reach out? Or LinkedIn, I believe you're pretty active on as well. They can connect there with you. Absolutely, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dion. Appreciate your time for another episode here at the Investigate Podcast. Thank you for having me, Arjun.